Welcome to Haunting History, the podcast that reaches back into the past for the events that still haunt us today. Tales of true crime, mystery, and the macabre. And when we're lucky, the stories were history and the people who lived it and the paranormal meet. Now who doesn't love a good ghost story, right? Welcome back to Hunting History Podcast. I'm your host, Kat. And I'm Haley. And oh my God, we've missed you guys. Have you missed doing this? Yeah, kind of. Because my quarantine has consisted of just too many hours on TikTok. So, <laughs> Isn't that like that thing, this quarantine? The Lion King guy? What's his? What is that? Tiger King, <laughs> but he has nothing to do with TikTok. <laughs> no, I know it doesn't have anything to do. But I mean, like if they made a list of... My, yeah, my quarantine has been... Tiger King and TikTok. And I call it Lion King. I'm legitimately an old person. Yeah. Well, I turned 26 this weekend. I'm currently unemployed. I spend way too much time on TikTok. I am still getting pimples. Oh. And poor Haley. <laughs> so, well, it's a know? good thing you can't go out and like meet any men or go on a date or anything. Right. You have a lot of time on your hands. Mm-hmm. And getting you in here to record has been not easy. No, I'm just too preoccupied with TikTok. Yeah, you need to stop with that. Yeah. Because you send me... It's embarrassing. No, and you send me... You text me TikTok videos after I'm asleep at night. That means you're staying up too late to even do it. And it's consuming my life. And every other person I know, too. It's it's a thing. (laughs) And as we sit here, we have um, the Lysol disinfecting wipes between us as if we need them right this minute. Glitter, you know? People have written in... And emailed me that the glitter analogy has helped them. So okay. don't make that. Okay. There's some things that have changed. Firstly, you're not going to be hearing ads for a little while. It's not a permanent thing because, frankly, it kind of sucks financially for us to not do the ads anymore. But uh, they, it wasn't the right platform for us. I felt like the ads were really loud compared to our talking. And then they would play like the same ads several times. I mean, I know you don't agree with me. You would have rather have kept the ads. Not necessarily. I would like to switch to a different platform that provides them. Well, but. for a little bit, we're going to stick with a platform that does not have any ads. Unless our downloads spike to astronomical amounts, then we'll start doing like our own red ads. And everybody knows I want Ancestry.com. That's the one I want. Speaking of that, it's going to be on our site this week, right? Our website is going to have the link to how I can help you with your genealogy. Yep. You promise? I promise it's going up. I'm just I have to take so your TikTok busy, you away know? from you. I have to take your phone away from you. Whatever. That will be a tab on hauntinghistorypodcast.com. And we would like to hear from all of you guys and hear how you're doing with your safer at home. Are you safer at home? Are you an essential worker? Are you out and about? We kind of want to hear from you guys, see what you're doing. We've been pretty much in the house for the majority of the time, other than going out and getting things that we need. And some things we really don't need. No, but sometimes I just need to get the heck out of here. Right. But I mean, we have not been as good as some people that we know. Where we're going, our essential items are probably new pajamas are not from Target are not essential. No, but we're not like hanging out with people. We're not, you know. We're not browsing Target. We're going in and getting yeah. our whatever we need, plus, you know, pajamas. I would kill for a home goods trip. <laughs> home goods is wondering where you're at. They so are. is Hobby Lobby. Yeah. Hobby and Lobby TJ Maxx. Sure. And t- they're all wondering where we yeah. are right now. 
Uh, we went. So we, anyways, we want to hear from you, um, Anna. We hope that you're still doing okay in Italy. I'm really curious if we have any listeners in New York. I haven't heard from anyone who lives in New York, and I know that New York was hard hit with COVID-19, so I'd like to hear from any of our listeners in New York. Um, we in California are technically still on the safer at home, but there's definitely a lot more people out and about than there was a few weeks ago. Today's episode, I, I had originally tried to do things that were more upbeat and just it's hard to find um, that something that fits in our genre. So we are going back to our roots right now and we're going to tell a story from history and the haunting part of it. And I think I think it's a good story. It's taken us back about 100 years. And for those of you not super familiar with old Hollywood, this is going to be a story within a story that you've probably never heard. Haley, do you know who Rudolph Valentino is? I do, but if you were not my mother, I probably would not, if I'm being honest. <laughs> and you only know because I'm I'm not borderline obsessed with Rudolph Valentino. I'm I, this, It's the story. I love the stories about Rudolph Valentino, not him personally. Right. But I love the stories. Born in 1895, Rudolph Valentino was the world's first sex symbol. He was a star of several famous silent films and was known in Hollywood as a Latin lover or the great lover all thought up by studio heads to promote their new leading man. The public fell for it hook, line, and sinker. It's hard to think of someone today that you could relate to that would be at the level of Valentino. When he died in 1926, over 100,000 people lined the streets of Manhattan to pay their respects. There were reports of fans committing suicide. A riot broke out during the viewing of his body a, a few days later. Um, windows of a church were broken. I think it... Well, it's actually, I don't think it was a church. It was a mortuary, Campbell's mortuary. And um, people were actually injured, trying lined up to walk past. Well, the thing is, they actually had him out where you could walk past his body. His body was on a, I think it's called a beer, buyer. Um, but you could physically see him. I'll post the picture on our, on our website. But yeah, you could see it from shoulders up. Ooh. You wouldn't have done it if it was someone that... I- no. Someone famous, like you had the opportunity. Well, you probably, you would never wait in line with a hundred thousand people for no. literally anything. No, I can't think of one thing. No, seriously. <laughs> TikTok? No. Are there, yeah, I have a question about TikTok. Let's uh, hear you, it. you know how there were like people on Vine that everybody knew who they were? Like I was in Hollywood with your cousin, with my niece, mm-hmm. and she, we were walking somewhere and she's like, oh my God, that's so and so from Vine. Yeah. Is that a TikTok like that too? Is there like stars of TikTok? Yeah, there's like TikTok. Um, people are TikTok famous, they say. The kids say. The ki- Do I know who they are? No, I can't tell you. You're a liar. We drove through Hollywood and you saw that girl from Vine. You know who she was. She's from YouTube. Oh, same. So same, right? Like no. TikTok, Vine, YouTube. No. How is it not the same? You're internet famous. No, I'm saying I don't know anyone who's on TikTok. Like the kids that I coach will say someone like, oh, they're TikTok famous. I don't get it. When I look at TikTok, I just scroll, scroll for funny stuff. I don't like. I don't follow people on TikTok. In fact, for people who know TikTok, like when you when you sign up, it just gives you like user one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I'm I'm that because I'm not an actual like TikTok user. Like I don't have I don't follow people on TikTok. You never. Done- I don't post on TikTok. I literally just scroll through TikTok for entertainment. You, you had big plans when the when the whole safer at home started. You were gonna. Do I wanted video. Dad to do a TikTok dance with me, but then I just didn't do it. You legitimately just got too lazy to 
actually do anything. Yeah, and I think trying to teach him something would make me want to jump off the roof of our house. So I decided not to do it. It's a tall house. It's high, too. So anyways, there were over 100,000 people that lined up to walk past him, and people were injured. Over 100 officers were deployed to help restore order. And they had to like line up with the crowds just just to maintain a semblance of order during the time that he was his body was being viewed. Valentino was born in Italy. His real name is it's a sentence long and I'm gonna try and pronounce it for you, but if I butcher it, don't send me an email calling. I know that I could Google it and I did one of them, but I still might get it wrong. His name was Rudolfo Pietro Filiberto Raffaello. Gugliami. I, that's an Italian name. That I mean, like, that's hard. No, I can't do it. Yeah, I want you to try and pronounce it now that no. you just made fun of me. Mm-mm. And it kind of goes with that. We posted a review where I got yelled at for mispronouncing things. But too bad. It's a name. It's hard. Words are hard sometimes. His mother was French and his father, with an even longer name, was Italian. Whether it's true or not, hard to say with the studios messing with the real life stories, it's said that he was raised by his mother who doted on him because of his good looks. His father, though, they say was quite the opposite and disapproved of young Rodolfo. He wasn't the brightest student, and when he came to America and was processed through Ellis Island at the age of 18 in 1913, he spent several years dancing in New York, meeting older married women whom he somewhat took advantage of at times, a music-looking young guy, and these are very wealthy older women who were probably married, and he he kind of took advantage of that. At one point he was involved in a lawsuit and a scandal that ultimately landed him in jail. From there, he went to California where he met for the first time, the woman who would discover him in the true Hollywood sense and become sort of his benefactor and greatest fan. Her name was June Mathis. And she comes up a lot in the story. June was a screenwriter who thought that he would be perfect for her next movie. But then she lost him temporarily. He decided that he was going to go back to New York and give it one more try to become famous in New York because back then the movies were just starting out and you could become famous on, you know, Broadway, dancing and things like that. So he decided to go back to New York and June lost him for a little bit, even though she had wanted him for a movie. Uh, When he was in New York, he found out that Metro Studios had purchased the rights to the book The Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse and none other than June Mathis was casting for the movie. She cast him in the role of Julio when she finally found him again. And when the film was released in 1921, it became a commercial and critical success. It was the first film to gross a million dollars and still today is considered one of the highest grossing silent films of all times. And that doesn't seem like a big feat because you're not really familiar with silent movies, but he was up against um, such stars as Charlie Chaplin and Harold Lloyd, Buster Keaton, Mabel Norman, Fatty Arbuckle. So, even though you don't know silent films or people don't really know of them as much today, the fact that his film grossed a million dollars was huge. I mean, his competition was huge too. So that just kind of shows you how famous he was if his his first film grossed over a million dollars. After several films and fights with his studio Metro, Valentino was cast in the film that made him a star and a legend at another studio called Famous Players Lasky. For those that don't know Hollywood history, Famous Players ultimately became known as Paramount Pictures, which is much more a much more recognizable name now. His favorite film, and probably his most famous, was Blood and Sand, written also again by June Mathis. It became one of the topest grossing movies of 1922. After years of unhappiness with his studios, 
Valentino staged a strike and left mainstream Hollywood for a bit. His love life was somewhat of the same mess as his work life. He married twice and was charged with bigamy once. You know, because it only really takes one time. Back in the 1920s, one had to be divorced for a full year before they could be married again to someone else. Which I don't know, that's not a law anymore, right? I don't think so. I think you just have to be divorced. Right. So back then you had to finalize a divorce and then you had to be single for a year. But he married someone else during that year and he either didn't think the laws applied to him or he just thought someone, no one would notice. But he married his second wife, Natasha Rambova. I read that her real name was Winifred Shaughnessy. And she went by the name Natasha Rambova, just to be exotic. But that's an indication of what sold back in, during that time. Right. Like he was Rudolph Valentino, which was a very ethnic name. And she chose Natasha Rambova when her real <laughs> name, I just, I don't know why that makes me giggle. Winifred Shaughnessy. I guess that name didn't sell as well. But anyways, he married her, uh, Natasha Rambova, a.k.a. Winifred Shaughnessy, while he was still married to his first wife, Jean Acker. In the months before his death, he was dating a showgirl named Marion Benda and also actress, another really um, ethnic name, Pola Negra, who claimed that they were engaged when she was had a very public and very dramatic breakdown at his funeral, collapsing at the side of his coffin and crying hysterically that he was the one and only for her. She had over a thousand red and white roses delivered to the um, funeral home. That spelled out her first name, Pola. But like just it was all about her. She's like she was very dramatic and staged a big scene when he died. Mm-hmm. Then she ended up traveling on the train back from New York to California where he was going to be buried. And at every like publicity stop, you know, d- apparently back then dead people did publicity stops too. She would come to the back of the train and make these very hysterical public appearances. And his friends and people close to them say that they they weren't even engaged, that he was actually dating someone else. But she happened to be an actress at the time, too, and she sort of used it. Any publicity is good publicity. Yeah, used it to her advantage. Many people believed her dramatics were a publicity stunt. Um, and not only, and not the only one in regards to Valentino, but we'll, we'll get back to that. In August of 1926, at the age of 31, Valentino, who was in New York at the time, collapsed in his hotel room at the Ambassador Hotel. Unbelievably, one of the only places he's not said to haunt. Like he's said to haunt so many places in Hollywood and I think actually New York too. But the actual hotel where he collapsed is not one of them, which I find really weird. I mean, maybe someone knows something about the Ambassador Hotel, but I couldn't find it. Um, he was hop- hospitalized with what was believed to be an appendicitis and gastric ulcers. And he had surgery almost immediately. Soon after, though, he developed periontitis, which is the inflammation of the lining of the inner wall of the abdomen. And initially, doctors were optimistic about his recovery, but six days later, his condition worsened and he had a relapse. Sadly, the doctors, this makes me really sad though, the doctors knew that he was going to die, but they didn't tell him and they didn't tell anyone else. And um, he was awake in the early morning hours of August 23rd, eight days after arriving. He spoke with the doctors, but soon fell into a coma and died. His condition is now referred to as Valentino syndrome, and it's when a patient presents with pain in their lower right side, sort of like an appendicitis, um, but it's really a, like a perforated ulcer. So what happened to him is not that unusual, but it was unusual enough that they named it after him. And he was only 31. Yeah, that's young. His death and funeral are the stuff of legend. 
First was the riots and the mayhem in New York, and then his body was taken by train from New York to California, like I said earlier, where another service took place at the Church of the Good Shepherd in Beverly Hills, which, side note, this is the church that also held the services for Gary Cooper and William Frawley. Do you know who that is? No. Better known as Fred from I Love Lucy. Mm-hmm. And then Alfred Hitchcock, Rita Hayworth, Frank Sinatra were just a few of the people whose services were held at that church. Valentino, being only 31 in the prime of his life, had never made any final arrangements. And this is where June Mathis comes in again. His friend and longtime supporter, June Mathis, came to his rescue again. She offered up the crypt she had purchased beside hers for her husband that she had since divorced and basically gave him, like donated the wall crypt for him. And you've been there. Yeah. You've been there with me. The weird thing is that um, she died just a year after he did and ended up being buried next to him, like for eternity. Yeah. And they had always said that when he was first put into that wall crypt, I mean, it's very nondescript. It's not, there's nothing. So the building's beautiful, but there's a lot of bar- people buried in that building. Yeah. There's a non-famous person right next to him, isn't there? Well, June Mathis and above is, and below. Yeah. It's yeah. insane. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it's not, it's, it's not really fitting of a, Compare in comparison to the other things at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. Right. There, there are huge monuments yeah. built for people. And they had always said that they were going to do that. And they never did. They just left him in that one wall crypt. And starting on the first anniversary of Valentino's death for many years after, and we talked about this in our episode about the Hollywood Forever Cemetery, a lady in black is said to visit his grave. She didn't speak to anyone. She just walked in, bowed her head, and left a single red rose with her head covered in a black veil like where you couldn't see through it. Others speak of seeing a woman in black, and I myself had a run-in with a woman in black. And I know I've told you story, this story, and I can't remember if we did it in the Hollywood Forever story, but I'm going to tell it again because it's specific to this in case people don't listen to all the episodes. But before I tell you that story again, people claim to have seen a woman dressed in all black kneeling at his tomb and that she vanishes into thin air when they come close. Others have said they've heard the sound of high heels approaching only to turn around and no one's there, and then turn back and notice a new single red rose appearing in the vase on his wall. My own experience was was very theatrical, I think. I was taking some friends on a tour of the cemetery, and on the way there, I had told them the story of the Lady in Black. Not necessarily the haunting story, but there was a woman who would come every year on the anniversary of his a death. A real live woman. A real live woman that yeah. would come. And so I had been telling them on the way there. And then when we got to the cemetery, because it was, it really is a tourist space in Hollywood. It's a place where people go to. I mean, Joey Ramone is buried there. They have the Toto from Wizard of Oz yeah. monument. So they really did want to see it. So we went there and it just happened to be that they're filming a scene from a movie at the time while we were there. So the cemetery was really full. Like there were cars parked everywhere and there were craft trucks and we just decided to do like a little tour and the one thing they wanted to see was the Valentino grave. And so we went back there and there was, there was already like a smallish group of people standing on the steps to the building where he's buried at. And there was an old lady talking to them. And so we just kind of were walking by and I was like, Oh hell no, we have to listen to what she has to say. And it was this lady. She was dressed all in black, very tattered black, like um, I almost want to say it was a costume but it was very authentic. Like it was dirty. She was wearing like a, a skirt that had kind of like a rough hem and there was actually holes in it. She was wearing was stockings. Was it like old? It was as fashion? old as she was. Okay. Um, it was just a long skirt and uh, she had like a black blouse that clearly had seen better days. 
but it didn't really look costumey. Like it was almost borderline costumey because it was so fitting to the situation. But it clearly it just looked old and dirty. Mm-hmm. And she looked old, like her nails were dirty and things like that. And um, she asked us all standing there if they if we wanted to see her Valentino. And so we said, yeah, and we followed her in and I kind of like snuck up beside her and asked her if she was the lady in black that people talk about all the time. And she said, no, that 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 wasn't real, that that was all a publicity stunt, that she comes to see her Valentino like all the time, not just on the anniversary of his death. And I asked her why, like, are you a fan of his and why do you do this? And she said, no, that she had been married very young. And that her husband had died on one of Valentino's sets in a fire that had broken out on the set. And when Valentino found out that he was married, he personally wrote a personal paycheck for her husband to her every week. So she could like survive. So that she could survive. Mm -hmm. And so I was kind of like, eh, like what year is this? Like what year did he die? Like when could the fire? And I've never found anything about it. One of his movie sets catching on fire or anyone dying. And I've looked. It doesn't make the story not true. It doesn't make the story true because if one of his sets caught on fire and someone died, they would definitely not have publicized that. Yeah. Now, if some, if his set caught on fire and he rescued someone, it would be all over the place. But if someone, if something that negative happened on one of his movie sets, nobody would have been publicizing that. So he's like in my mind, like trying to figure out like timing wise, could she have been alive, you know, before 1931 and been old enough to get married? And she said she got married really young. And I can't remember if she said 14 or 16. But by the look of her and the age that she said she had been in the year that it was, like, it, the math worked out. Like, it could have been her. But anyway, she took us over to the cemetery. I mean, over to the, the graves, the, the tomb the, where he's buried in the wall. And said that she sings to him and that she didn't have a red rose. So, like, it really wasn't part of the publicity stunt thing. But she sang in Italian songs. We all stood there and... She cried and she like kept her hand on his, on the wall where his name was. And it was weird. We like ended up leaving after we were done. And I still don't know. I still don't know who she was. So she's saying the woman in black thing wasn't real. It was a publicity stunt. Yeah. But then she's a woman visiting Valentino dressed in black. So I don't, (laughs) was she just crazy? I don't know. That's why I don't know. I don't know if her story was real or if, uh, well, she, Definitely didn't seem completely there, but she didn't seem completely and un- mentally unstable. I mean, she took us over there. She sang a beautiful song in Italian. Yeah. So clearly, she had some kind of ability. I mean, it was it was absolutely beautiful. Like moved most of us to tears. It was gorgeous, and she was just hanging out there. I, the only thing that's weird is that I've been to that cemetery a million and a half times, and I've never seen her before, and I've never seen her after. I only saw her the day they were filming something. Yeah. So that's a little suspicious. But, I mean, my friends that were from Ohio that were visiting that I took there were thrilled. They thought it was the greatest thing in the world. The other thing is there is a, the, there's a very common story of a woman in black. She claims that she always went and visited him, that she was the lady in black, that it wasn't a publicity stunt, that it was something that she had promised Valentino she did. Her, she was a folk singer. Her name was Dietra Flamey. And that's not her real name. Um, her real name was actually Princess. So I don't know. What? <laughs> her first name was Princess. Her first name was Princess. Her stage name was Dietra Flamey. The story is that when she became very ill, Rudolph Valentino, who was friends with her adoptive parents, 
visited her in the hospital. The story goes that he laid a red rose next to her on her blanket and told her that she would be fine. He told her that she wasn't going to die and that she would live longer than him. And that if he did die before her, he asked her to do the same for him and come and talk to him because he would be lonely like she was in the hospital. So she said that she kept that promise and that she never forgot. And when he died, she was 21 years old and she would visit him every year on the anniversary of his death, dressed in black. And she would leave the red rose just like he did for her when she was in the hospital. So I, I don't, know what story is true a lot of people say the studios actually paid someone to go do this publicity stunt particularly the first you know 10 years after he died to revitalize his movies again Mm -hmm. they would put his movies back out again but this woman claims that she did it she's been doing it from the beginning so i don't know if there were like 17 black ladies in black that would show up every anniversary i I don't know so what's the story about the lady in black that leaves the rose and then disappears. Like that's a ghost story. So were there real people and then there was ghost people? Well, I think originally it was a publicity stunt. And I think that D. Truffle May did it for sure from some period on. She claims from the time that she was 21 when he died until she couldn't go anymore. She claims she did it. And then the lady that I ran into, um, as far as like a ghostly thing, D. Truffle May passed away in 1981 she didn't think that she was going to be able to go um, the last year in 1981. And a friend, she had moved out of Hollywood and actually lived really close to us in Ontario. And she, when she passed away, or the last year that she was going to go, she was very ill. And one of her friends at the last minute said, you know, you've been doing this, you know, since you were 21, let's take you there. Like, let's go do it. And so drove her down there for the last year for her to do her little red rose thing. And then um, she passed away in her house, surrounded by photos of Valentino and a locket given to her by him, which she says was given to her by him. And then um, she was buried all in black with red roses on her, on top of her coffin to like match the whole thing. And then to this day, no one can confirm who the real lady in black was. Was it an actress, a publicity set, Dietrich Flame? If the ghost that people see now, if it's only been since 1981, since Dietrich Flame passed away? Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know when the ghost story started. So I don't know if the ghost started, story, story started before Dietra started doing it or after. I don't know. I don't know who it could be. It could just be an imprint, too. I mean, all right, people could be crazy. They're not. <laughs> I don't know. There is a new lady in black, though, that goes and visits his grave on the anniversary of his death every year. Her name is Carrie Bible. And you can actually follow her on Instagram at the cemetery guide her name is cemetery guide and she does guided tours and she will be doing them again when they reopen the hollywood memorial cemetery of course is closed right now to anyone who's not just visiting a loved one and her instagram is cool her instagram she's dressed in she dresses as a lady in black and wears a veil and everything and goes and puts roses and um she does a really great tour of if you're ever in hollywood and i'm not available to take you on a tour yeah i don't um, think i need to go to that cemetery ever again. I've been there a million times. I would t- yeah, I would talk to you there quite a few times. But look up um, Carrie Bible. And it's, again, her Instagram is Cemetery Guide. And she does an amazing tour of the Hollywood Memorial Cemetery. And she does The Lady in Black every year. Rudolph Valentino is larger than life in life. So as you can imagine, the story surrounding him hasn't died either. He is known to haunt several locations throughout Hollywood and even may have left a curse behind Apparently, one day while shopping, Valentino fell in love with a ring that he saw in a store in San Francisco. Apparently, the jeweler tried to warn him against buying it, telling him 
that several of the previous owner, owners had met untimely deaths or catastrophic injuries while wearing the ring. So the guy's like, you know, there's we have a million other beautiful rings here. You can buy one of these. And he said, no, he wanted this tiger's eye ring. And so he bought it. And that's when everything started. He wore the ring in his next movie, which turned out to be his only flop in his career. And then he decided after that, like, maybe this little curse story about this ring is true. Like, I've never had a flop. I've never done a bad movie and I'm wearing it. So he stored it for a little while and either thinking it was curse or just absentmindedly, um, he brought it back out again and, and was wearing it in New York when he collapsed in the hotel and became ill. Um, during the disbursements of his belongings, his, to his friends, um, and family, Pola Negra, the woman, the drama queen from his funeral, was asked what of, which one of his mementos she would like to have. And she chose that ring. And almost immediately she became ill, so ill, in fact, that it almost ended her career. She was sicker than a dog and nobody knew what was wrong with her. Still not connecting the death of Rudy Valentino or her illness to the ring, Sometime later, she was introduced to a new actor slash singer named Russ Colombo. And he, a lot of people said that he was like the incarnate of, Ru- incarnate incarnation of Rudolph Valentino. Like he was good looking like him. And um, by the way, he had as many names as Rudolph Valentino, one of which was Rudolfo also. It was said that he was a dead ringer for Rudolph Valentino and had been romantically linked to Carol Lombard, and that probably doesn't mean anything to anyone unless you're a fan of old Hollywood, but Carol Lombard's definitely one of my favorites. She was probably the most beautiful woman ever in movies, but he was he was that good looking. He was able to date Carol Lombard, and um, when he met Paula Negra, she became enamored of him, and aside from being good looking and a charmer, she believed also that he was a spitting image of Valentino. So she gave him that ring and is quoted as saying from one Valentino to another. And this gets a little creepy. After he received and was wearing the ring, he was shot under some seriously suspicious circumstances. He was visiting a longtime friend who was a photographer. And the two men were admiring a collection of guns that this friend, his name was Lansing Brown, had. Brown is quoted as saying that he absentmindedly was fooling around with one of the guns. It was a dueling design and worked with a cap and trigger. And he was pulling back the trigger and clicking it time after time, just that kind of, you know, if you absentmindedly, like you always yell at me when I do that in the car or something, like that clicking sound yeah. of whatever. He was absentmindedly doing that and had, he had a match in his hand. And when it clicked, apparently the match caught in between the hammer and the firing pin and there was an explosion and Russ was killed while wearing the ring. The bullet hit the table and then Columbo right above the eye and the doctors tried to save him, but he died hours later. The sad note is, and this is actually really sad, his mom was really sick when he died of a heart condition and um, his brothers and sisters never told her that he died and pretended that he was alive for the next 10 years. Oh my gosh. That he just wasn't visiting her. Yeah, can you imagine? Yeah. I don't know if they had a fake phone calls and everything because, I mean, why wouldn't you talk to his mom again for I 10 years? His friend was acquitted of any wrongdoing before his death and um, for his death, and it was ruled an accident. But some people say that none of Lansing Brown's story is true, and they believe the two men got in an argument and Columbo was purposely shot. But that's a whole other episode. Uh, but the point of the story is wearing the ring. Some of Russ, Russ Columbo's belongings went to his cousin. The ring, which was included in that, 
was um, now people had started to believe the ring was cursed. Now, obviously, people are putting it all together. Yeah, the cousin who got the ring didn't didn't want the curse. Basically, <laughs> he didn't want it, so he gave it to a friend of Rudolph Valentino's um, named Joe Casino, who kept it locked in the case for a li- really long time. He didn't actually wear it either. And then after a certain amount of time, he decided it was stupid. It was a beautiful ring and that this is all bullshit and decided to start wearing the ring. Um, he was killed a short time later in a car accident. Shocking. And then Joe Casino's brother, Dell, was the next to inherit. And he actually wore it a lot, a lot and had no issues and decided the whole cursed ring thing was crap and wasn't true. But then Dell's house was broken into. One of the things that the thief got was the ring. And as he tried to escape, he was shot dead by the police with the ring in his pocket. And that gets worse. Kind of way worse. Dell decided the ring wasn't worth it and locked it away until he was approached and told that there was a movie planned, which was a biopic of Valentino's life. And they had hired or they were testing a 21-year-old named Jack Dunn. Dunn had some clothing that was Rudolph Valentino's for the screen test. And they thought, well, it'd be really cool for this guy to be wearing the ring too, right? So they borrowed the ring from Dell and he did the screen test. But then he died suddenly 10 days later from a rare blood disease that he caught from handling a dead rabbit. I've never heard oh, of that before, you. right? The ring went back to Dell, who kept it until his death. And the people in charge of his will didn't know what to do with the ring, so they decided to put it in a safety deposit box at a bank, but the story's not over yet, thinking that it's the safest place for it to be. But then, unfortunately, the bank got robbed. The robbers got away with $200,000 in cash and just the Rudolph Valentino ring. And the entire gang was either injured or caught and convicted, and the ring went back to the bank, who kept it for a few years safely in their vault. But then the bank had a couple bad things in a row happen to them. They had an employee strike, another robbery, and then the bank caught on fire and was almost completely destroyed. Today, the location of the ring is now unknown. No one knows where it's at. Well, whoever's got some serious strain of bad luck, they got it. Do you believe that a ring could be cursed? I think so. I wish we knew the background. I wish the jeweler knew why. Where it came from and whatever. Why was it haunted? Some say the hunting of Rudolph Valentino at his gravesite at the Hollywood Forever, Forever Cemetery is about the ring, actually. And they say that he roams the halls of his crypt looking for the ring to destroy the chance, its chances of ruining anyone else's life. Um, but that's not the only place that the Latin lover inhabits after death. His ghost has been seen in numerous locations, both of his mansions, particularly his home called Falcon's Lair. He had his own, he named his mansion Falcon's Lair. And... It's reported that he still hangs out there. The home located at 1436 Bella Drive in Beverly Hills had a hard time keeping its staff once it was purchased by actor Harry Carey. No one knows if Rudolph is still there because he can't let go of it or because the caretaker of the home held seances to try and reach out to Rudolph Valentino after his death. So people say that the caretaker kind of got Rudolph Valentino stuck there. Do you know what I mean? By the summoning him. Yeah. It's reported that doors and windows open on their own. And soon after his death, while his dogs were still alive, they wouldn't react to like the doors or windows opening and closing. Where normally if they heard a noise or whatever, they would bark. Yeah. But if the door just randomly opened, they would just be like, oh. That's home. Yeah. (laughs) Who knows? Also, his ghost has been seen in the hallways, in the bedroom, and looking out a second story window. 
The home was eventually torn down and a new home is now in its place. There's no information whether Rudolph is still lurking there. His stables located near um, by on Silo Drive, um, which Silo Drive might sound familiar to people. It's the street where Sharon Tate was murdered by the um, Manson family. A worker quit after Valentino's death because he claims he saw Rudolph Valentino petting one of his horses. The stables are long gone, but people claim to hear the sound of horses still where his stables were. Um, he's also known to lurk and roam around a beach house in Oxnard in his villa in Los Angeles. He had a lot of properties. People would occasionally break in while um, the house, the villa was falling apart and hold seances and claim he's still wandering around as if the house was still there. June Mathis, the one that we talked about, the one who gave him the wall crypt and gave him all his chances in movies. She lived in a house on Laurel Avenue in Los Angeles, and she claimed to have seen him appear in her home the night that he died. Interestingly, some say Paramount Studios is haunted by the specter of Valentino. He actually never worked at, at Paramount. I mean, he worked for famous players, Lasky, that became Paramount Studios, but he didn't actually spend a lot of time at Paramount Studios, that the one that's there now. But um, many a security guard claimed to see him on their night rounds, dressed very much like he's in the middle of filming. He is seen walking through the walls of the Hollywood Forever Cemetery right under the Paramount lot, which I've actually heard myself from a security guard that um, they stay away from the back wall where the wall meets the wall of Forever um, Hollywood Forever Cemetery. Um, the back wall is shared by the back end of Paramount Studios. Yeah. And security guards don't hang out in that part of the lot at night because they've actually seen people walking through the wall, not just Valentino. I've heard this. From multiple people. Yeah, several yeah. times. There's no logical explanation um, to say why he wouldn't haunt that studio. He didn't, again, like he didn't spend a lot of time on there. But it is right next to where his body's laid and he might be looking to, you know. Looking for work. His next blockbuster, <laughs> yeah. He's been seen in the costume department and strolling through the Lemon Grove gate. And that's just a taste of where the busy ghost of Valentino is said to inhabit. He's also been reported to be seen at the Hollywood Hotel, the Santa Maria Inn, the Knickerbocker Hotel, which is now a senior living home, and Musso and Frank Grills located in Hollywood. And if that isn't enough, he's been seen, and I'm doing air quotes, riding his horse on Will Rogers State Beach, which you could do back in the day. On top of all that, his dog, he was very, very, very attached to his dogs. His dog, Kabar, in particular, is said to wander the L.A. Pet Cemetery where he's buried. And um, he walks up and licks people's hands. Oh, I know. No one knows if Valentino's ring was cursed or if it was just a rash of coincidental bad luck. Either way, I think it's okay that it's now missing. At least it won't mess with anyone else. Thank you for listening to this episode of Haunting History Podcast. We love hearing from you, so be sure to follow and comment on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter at Haunting History Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to all your favorites. Visit our website at hauntinghistorypodcast.com for more information on each episode and links to our Patreon page and all our social media platforms. Until next time, I'm Kat. I'm Haley. And remember, the living are far scarier than any ghost. 